opinions, and attitudes. Attitudes. It's actually uh, intriguing talk. You know, they talk about the news. And you have to respect them for that. You're listening to Right On Radio. Welcome to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff. The The title of the series is Mass Deception. And today we're going to be talking about the latter rain. I must confess that I'm changing up the order of this series. I have decided to expedite it and cover the major points of it so you get the general picture and then I will transition out of this series into probably a new series where I cover the players more in depth but it's it was important to establish you know the theosophy thing from Blavatsky and then into the new age doctrine of Alice Bailey coming through And if you notice a lot of the movement, you're going to hear a lot of those same words that came up from their writings. And, you know, Alice Bailey's plan essentially was to infiltrate the church. And she was, the plan was to use the Masonic order to come into the church to capture all the pulpits. Now, Uh, It is my conclusion that there are a lot of uh, players behind this, probably three-letter agencies, and, you know, they answer to the Brotherhood and the elites. And there's a lot behind this. What you're going to notice is, and I'll probably even have to get into some names and really exploit some of these people who are knowingly or unknowingly deceiving you. But I want to get the general picture so you understand where it comes from, what they are doing. Of course, the goal of this is to establish, you know, part of the New World Order and the New World Order Church. Uh, One religion, one political system. This is the goal. We see it happening on the political side. Well, I'm showing you what's happening on the church side. And of course, the other religions, uh, this program is a faith-based program. I am a Christian. I am a disciple in the way. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, the one who is the word in the 66 books of the Bible. Uh, I want to be very clear about that. What my Bible tells me that anyone, whether they're a believer Uh, in another faith or religion, or even agnostic and just an unbeliever in general, if they are not a believer, they are an antichrist. Now, that might sound harsh, but there's two types of people in this world. There's born-again believers, and there's unbelievers. If you're an unbeliever, you have rejected Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be speeding this up. I'm going to talk a little bit about one particular individual uh, in this today, not in depth. I'll probably have to go back to him, but he's a very important player. Uh, There's several in this, but we're going to be covering the latter rain movement. And 
I do need to mention, uh, I forgot to last time when I did Azusa Street, that I have help doing these. Uh, I assembled a small team prior to starting this series. And the purpose of the team was not to do Jeff's work because, trust me, I'm still doing the work. However, the purpose of the team was really to have eyes on from people that I trust to go and look at the information that I am looking at and to see if they come to the same conclusions. I'm not a one-man theological wonder. Uh, and I don't want to come against anything that God is doing or has done. And having said that, um, by the way, er everyone is coming up with the same conclusions. There are so many rabbit holes. This is, it goes so deep, people. And, you know, when I get up into some of the modern time, like today, present, I'm just going to tell you if uh, if someone shoots to the top sort of thing really quick, um, it's a good chance that they're involved in this. It is very widespread and it is extremely deceptive and very dangerous. I do want to thank those uh, on the team that have helped me to put this together. The other thing I really want you to hear is this is talking about the deception. So it's the deception in the church. At all times, and by the way, <laughs> this deception that I'm talking about today it looks a little bit different. We have technology. We have all kinds of different uh, forms of media that help spread this. And, you know, obviously there's things in place now that can bring about the things in Revelation that, you know, probably could not have been seen 100 years ago. But I will tell you that all of this stuff goes back to Constantine, to Nimrod, and it is my belief, and I haven't done a thorough search of this, but certainly it seems to appear the same playbook has come up in every generation about every hundred years. And then multiple times during that century uh, to smaller, but there's one or two pivotal things that happen in every generation. So, this is not new. This has been in the playbook of Lucifer, Satan, for a very long time. But here is the most important points that I need you to remember these words. Please remember that I have said this. Even though this deception has come up in every century and it's very prevalent now. No matter what the devil does, for those seeking God, God is there. God is in the midst of all of this. God knows people's hearts. Some people attend these types of 
services or um, cults more accurately because they want to see the signs and wonders. They want the experience of it. The worship is a draw to them in this. And a lot of time in these circles, the worship is very repetitive and hypnotic. Yeah, I said it. And, but those people, I think they have to fend for themselves because they're really not seeking out God. But if someone goes and they're really seeking out God, it's my opinion that God is there. And of course, the other underlying statement of this entire series is don't rely on my word. Don't rely even on the evidence that I bring forward when I start showing you tapes uh, and focusing on the individuals. You must be the Berean. I encourage you to fall in love with God's word and go back, go into the layers of it. Things that you've read many, many times. This came out on the prayer call yesterday on Singapore uh, from Beulah. No matter how many times you've read it, there's more layers there. And really just pray to the Holy Spirit for understanding and God will show you more depths of himself. And it is glorious. And right before I get into the material, two things. If you have not yet, please go to mylibertystand.com. Sign up. We are doing a great thing. We are getting together. We are making a difference. And we're making a difference even in our families' lives. This is something we are doing as a community it does not cost you any more money. You just get better products for the same money and it's better service because it comes right to your door and you're supporting us and you're supporting North American made goods. So I encourage you to go to mylibertystand.com. And finally, uh, Tickets are selling fast for Reckoning Fest. As you know, if you've been following the program, I will be one of the speakers there on March 25th. That's uh, just three weeks from today or from this week of uh, recording. Uh, March 25th, it's a Saturday. It includes all breakfast, lunch, dinner, concerts. Billy Falcon is going to be there, and I am so stoked to meet him in person. Uh, there's a whole bunch. Juan O'Savin is there. Uh, the, the, Chris is putting on an incredible event, and it is worth a long drive. It is worth a flight. Um, I'm not making any money off this. I want to be clear. I'm doing it. Uh, my expenses are being covered, but I'm going to have a really important message. Uh, it will be streamed, but it'll be a pay-per-view type of stream. And I am unsure. In fact, it's unlikely I will post my speech at a later date. So if you want to see what I have to say and what others have to say, um, and by the way, I will stand my ground, folks. I become more emboldened in atmospheres like this. I'm not a guy that gets pushed around. And uh, I don't know what the word is going to be yet, but 
I know the Lord is going to give me something very special for that day. Having said that, let's get into this. Let me open up with two scriptures that are very pertinent to this particular uh, edition of mass deception. Okay, I got to put on my glasses. I am getting that old, folks. This is from 1 Timothy chapter 4. But the Spirit explicitly says that in the later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. That is what's happening today. Also from 2 Timothy verse, uh, 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. Do you listen to a particular prophet because they say what you want to hear? I have. Turns out those prophecies weren't right. And I'm just going to go back and uh, it's, it's very interesting. A lot of the YouTube type prophets have scrubbed from their website and their channels. You can only get it from people who have captured it now. But they have scrubbed what they said before the 2020 election. Just saying. Um, anyways. The latter reign, also known as the New Order, or the New Order of the latter reign. Just pay attention to those words. New order. <laughs> Was a post-World War II movement within the Pentecostal Christianity, which remains controversial, although it was considered very non-denominational. I want to be clear about that. The movement saw itself as a continuation of the restorationism of early Pentecostalism. The movement began with major revivals between 1948 and 1952 and became established as a large, semi-organized movement by 1952 and continued into the 1960s. The movement had a profound impact on subsequent movements as its participants dispersed throughout the broader charismatic and Pentecostal movements beginning in the 1960s. And before you just assume that I'm coming against Pentecostals, I am not. 
In fact, the Assemblies of God denounced this stuff in 1949, uh, but there is uh, there are fractions that have split off. So I'm not going. I'm not coming against Pentecostals and stuff like that. I want to be clear. The latter rain movement had its beginnings in the years following World War II, and it was contemporary with the evangelical awakening led by Billy Graham. And I was going to actually start with Billy Graham because between Azusa Street and the latter rain, uh, what really happened was Billy Graham, and I will do a deep dive on him for you. I've already done it. Uh, I just haven't presented the information here on the program. He was a 33rd degree Mason. Billy Graham has said and been quoted many times in saying that even pagans can go to heaven. Okay, and that, I'm not taking that out of context, folks. We'll bring it up if, when I do a show on him or if or when I do a show on him. But it was all roads, all religions. He was bringing all religions together. And that's what this entire movement is doing. Again, there's the political one world government. There's the one world religion. These things must happen. And these people are helping to orchestrate it. But Billy Graham, as a great example, by the way, you know how we always met with presidents and prime ministers and kings and queens? Apparently, he was relaying secret elite information. I can't necessarily prove that right now, but the theory seems to hold up. But Billy Graham was instrumental in all of this, and of course... He was the one who mentored and brought up the healing revivals with Oral Roberts. And Oral Roberts is a very significant player in this as well. Also a Mason. Jack Coe, and here's the guy we're going to talk a little bit more about today. William Branham. That's B-R-A-N-H-A-M. And Branham... And Oral Roberts rose at the same time, 1947. And they went in different, uh, you know, Oral Roberts, although he had a healing ministry, he went very much into the prosperity uh, gospel where Branham <laughs> became a real cult leader. And out of Branham came guys like Jim Jones. Oh, yeah. So in the fall of 1947, several leaders of the small Pentecostal Sharon Orphanage Schools in North Battleford, Saskatchewan, that's in Canada, were inspired to begin a period of intense fasting and prayer for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Sounds good, right? But this was after visiting Bram's healing campaign in Vancouver. So they got a touch of what Branham was doing, and they decided to fast and pray, but they were wanting what Branham had. 
After weeks of fasting and prayer, the participants had an ecstatic experience and reported the occurrence of miracles. Later that year, groups organized large revival events, and news quickly swept across Canada and the United States. Oh yeah, and this goes down to Kansas City, folks. Kansas City is a pivotal part of all this. Influencing many Pentecostal believers, the Latter Rain movement was deeply influenced by British Israelism. I'll address what that is. I wasn't even sure until uh, this was really brought up in in the searchings for this on this topic. And many of the movement's doctrines, including the interpretation of the latter rain prophecy, were based on parallels drawn between the church and Israel, based on British Israel ideology ideology. The Latter Rain movement is an influence within the Pentecostalism, which teaches that the Lord is pouring out his spirit again, as he did in Pentecost, and using believers to prepare the world for his second coming. The Latter Rain movement is anti-dispensational and amillennial, and many leaders of the movement embrace embarrassed teachings. The term Latter Rain was first used early in the history of Pentecostalism when David Wesley Myland wrote a book called Latter Rain Songs in 1907. Three years later, Myland wrote The Latter Rain Covenant, a defense of Pentecostalism in general. The name comes from Joel. These are important verses. Joel 2, 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Pentecostals interpreted the rain in this verse as an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The latter rain is the end times outpouring, and it would be greater than the former rain. This is where it comes from. In 1948, a revival broke out in Saskatchewan, Canada, and the teachings of the latter rain movement were clarified. Those involved the revival were convinced that they were on the verge of a new era, one in which the Holy Spirit would demonstrate his power in a greater way than the world had ever seen, not even in the age of the apostles. They said they had witnesses such a movement of the Holy Spirit. And of course, they go back to Acts 2, when Jesus says, greater things than this you will do. And I just want to stop here. All these things sound good, but you're going to see a perversion of the scriptures. Do I believe what Jesus said? You will do greater things? Yeah. I just don't believe the scripture says it's going to come about the way these people are going. And a lot of these churches are teaching these things 
but they're not telling you what the end goal is. They're just conditioning you. They're programming people for this even greater deception. So latter rain teaching is characterized by a highly typological hermetic, that is the Bible is interpreted in a symbolic, extremely stylized manner. An emphasis is placed on extra biblical revelation, such as personal prophecies, experiences, and directives from God. So in these movements, what the prophet says is to supersede the word of God. What the apostle says in these movements is the golden rule. The apostle is the king. Now, I do believe in the ministries that the Bible dictates, but this is a perversion of them. The founder of the school, Herrick Holt, had been preaching that God was going to do a new thing, utilizing Isaiah 43, verse 19, as the text to support. In the fall of 1947, a few of the teachers attended William Branham's crusade in Vancouver, British Columbia, and they had become convinced that an apostolic renewal was about to occur. They had Branham laying hands on them. It was noted Branham was prophesying that the seventh age of the church was beginning and that this would prepare the way for Christ. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff wrong with this. Um, if you went through our Revelation series and the uh, seven churches, if the, this is not a dispensation of church ages. I know a lot of teachers teach that. If you go back without me spending a half an hour, it's easily proven that those seven churches were seven churches in that day that those letters were being written to. Okay? Uh, if you disagree with me on that, that's fine, but I would suggest you go look at the beginning of the uh, Revelation series, and it's explained pretty clearly, I do believe. According to Ern Houghton, on February 12th, 1948, God moved in their midst in a new manner. During the service, a long prophecy was given with minute details concerning the great thing God was about to do. The leaders in Stearns at Sharon were seeking after a restoration of the end-time miracle power. The movement was characterized by reports of healing and miraculous phenomenon. They stressed the eminence of the pre-millennial return of Jesus, preceded by an outpouring of God's spirit, which was the former reign and latter reign spoken of Joel. They taught and believed that Joel's army, hold on to those words, will be composed of perfected, perfected Christians who will conquer and dominate the world 
preceding the return of Christ. This is a spiritualization of Joel's prophecies. Um, so let me be clear what is being said here. They are saying it's kingdom now theology. Um, it's also called uh, dominionism. There's a whole bunch of names for it. But the theory of it is that you, we have to build the kingdom of God here on earth before he can return. And that there are certain elite Christians who are going to become perfected, perfected, godlike in the end days. This is what they're saying. This is not what the Bible says. None of us are going to be perfect until the day we are swept up with Jesus. So a major influencer on it was this William Brand. And there's a lot of things that you need to know about him. And I'm going to, first of all, he's an occultist. <laughs> In fact, um, let me show you a picture here. And I'll do a deep dive on this, perhaps. This is the, uh, for those of you listening, I'm showing a white building. It's a small building. Looks like it would hold a couple hundred people. Uh, and it's called the Bram Tabernacle. Not God's tabernacle. <laughs> no, it's his tabernacle. Because he actually thought that he was Elijah. He actually thought he was the only living prophet on the earth. He actually claimed to be God's presence on earth. This guy is a cult leader. By the way, he also denied the Trinity he, he later tried to reconcile that, but he failed. It just he didn't make sense just because he got called on it so much. He denies that uh, Christ was God. He preached Christ, but he denied Christ was God. He denied that hell existed. These are Masonic teachings. The reason I show uh, this picture, and it will be very hard for you to see it, but you can just look, you, anyone can Google uh, Bram Tabernacle and just zoom in on it. Right below the R and the N in Tabernacle is the Masonic star, and it's tilted to the right. This is a Masonic house. Um, he was also, oh, by the way, he said there were three Bibles. That's right. He said there were three Bibles, and this movement is based on him. The th what were the three Bibles? Well, the Zodiac, 
the stars were one Bible. The pyramid, the great uh, pyramids of Egypt were the other Bible. And then there was the written Bible. And so he combined them and, you know, just took liberties with anything that worked for his cause. He was knowing for laying on of hands. And it is, from what I can ascertain, this might not be correct, but from what I ascertain is he believed that you had to lay hands on someone to heal them. Now, that's not true according to the Bible. You know, Paul's shadow healed. Jesus healed the centurion's uh, kid without being there. You don't have to lay hands. You can just, prayer can do it. Or God can just do it on his own. He claimed he was given power to discern people's illnesses and thoughts. Now, this is what he did, and this is very well documented. People would come into his meetings, and they would fill out uh, healing cards. And essentially, they would state their name and their address and their age and what they need healing for. And then his son was the main person collecting these at the door, would quickly make a note on the back saying, okay, lady in purple and a hat, and they would assign a number to those according to the number and how they filtered people into the seating system. And then people would be surprised when he called up a name and says, I think you come from a place where there's mountains because the person's from Colorado and you're wearing purple. Um, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. The girl's name is Alice Bailey. You know, like this is the type of hocus pocus the guy was doing. And a lot of these modern day prophets all hold him in the highest regard. Um, he did teach prosperity. He also taught the doctrine of the serpent seed, that Eve had sexual relations with the serpent, and that humans descended um, from the serpent are doomed for hell. However, hell is non-eternal, was his thing. And by the way, um, this man Branham, also hated women. Oh, what the, the atrocities that they did to people, men and women, but he hated women. And he really believed that women were created by Satan and just for uh, to be a receptacle for men, essentially. Um, in his revivals, he probably, you know, he didn't do that, but it was more when he got into his cult that... Uh, these things happened. He proclaimed himself to be the angel of Revelation uh, 3.14 and then 10.7. Uh, he also believed that he was uh, brought to open up the seven seals. Um, what, 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 what do some of these guys have in common? Branham was visited by an angel. And an angel brought him, actually he was visited by seven angels. This is how the whole seven seal thing came about. And they came to him in the form of a pyramid. And he was brought up and he was shown that he would be 
the one to undo the seven seals. Like, uh, folks, <laughs> you know, you know how many of your modern day prophets have gone in grave soaked at his grave? In fact, let me just show you a picture of his grave. His grave is a pyramid with a uh, kind of a roundish, um, what's it called? The uh, Temple of the Rock type of thing on top of it, or thousand rays of light, you know, type of uh, cylindrical top to it. And on top of it, what looks like an eagle, but it's not. It's the phoenix rising. The phoenix rising. A um, couple side notes of importance. Gordon Lindsay was his manager and editor for Voice and Healing. He, so he had a manager. He had, you know, editor. They came up with more than 250 books. Like, this is prevalent, folks. Um. His doctrine has gone on. Uh, important to also note in this movement was uh, George Warnock, who attended the 1948 camp meeting and was hired on staff in 1949. Uh, he was the personal secretary of Ern Baxter and an associate of William Branham. In 1951, he... Uh, published the Feast of Tabernacles. This was an important publication as it was wisely disseminated. And in fact, I got to get into more of that is. Um, so essentially Warnock believes all the feasts were fulfilled except for the Feast of the Tabernacles. The Feast of the Tabernacles was spiritualized and believed to describe the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth prior to Jesus' return. Have you heard that teaching about the feast being fulfilled? That's where it goes. And that's where this manifest sons of God theology comes from. All right, let me uh, switch veins here. Um, actually, let me continue on some of the doctrines of the latter reign. So they believed that you had to get the gift of tongues through the laying on of hands. Uh, this was a symbol of being saved. If you didn't get it, keep trying. God doesn't love you enough yet, but keep coming back and purify your heart in the meantime. And maybe when you come back, you know, God will love you enough to save you and you can speak in tongues. What a perversion. Obviously, we've been uh, covering this in Ephesians, um, but also in 1 Corinthians, you know, there's, it's the gifts are still active. They're not active in the way that these people describe. Um, I could go on and on, but tune into our study on Sunday, and we talk about this stuff in pretty good depth. 
he the latter rain theology also includes that Christians can be demonized and require deliverance. Now, this is a controversial subject even today. There's a lot of scriptures on this. I can read them all for you. Uh, I'll just list them off. Uh, Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18. James 4, verse 7. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Romans 8, uh, verses 9 to 11. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16. And then 6, verse 19. 1 Peter 1, chapter 18 and 19. And uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Uh, and 1 John for for uh, thank you to but the person who put that together for me, um, that's really great. Uh, I'm just gonna. So, my opinion of this, and I've read all of those scriptures, is essentially, and this is my opinion. You be the Berean. The Holy Spirit resides inside of you when you're born again. You cannot be possessed. You can be tormented. You'll still have the devil whispering in your ear. You can still be tormented. You will not be possessed. Um, they also believe that God has restored all the offices of the ministry of the church, including the apostle and the prophet. Um so here's my differential on that. I don't think God restored those. I don't think they went away. The role of an apostle has changed. But it's to prepare God's people for works of service. In their definition, an apostle rules like God. And if you don't do everything that the apostle says, you are cast out and, you know, and basically, again, the prophetic, uh, the prophetic, according to these guys, supersedes the word of God. I've already talked about the laying on of hands. They also believe that praise and worship will usher in, usher God into our presence. Um, I believe it's one of the ways, but I believe you can just pray and you can ask God to be present and he can be present too. What you see in this is that praise and worship in these circles is used as a form of hypnosis. I can prove it to you. Um, I've talked about it time and time again on the podcast. The other thing that they really believe in is that women have a full and equal role as men in the church. So a woman can be a pastor. Um, I, I'm not against women but women cannot be pastors. And I, I even think it's wrong when a, when a man is the head of the church and he calls his wife a pastor. 
I don't think she can be. A pastor brings up the responsibility of taking care of the flock. That's a man's responsibility. Now, I want to be clear on my beliefs and my and going through Scripture, what I believe. Prove me wrong. Be the Berean. Prove me wrong. But I do believe women can be teachers. They cannot, they just can't be the head of a flock. Women have giftings. I think women in many of these cases are more gifted than men. I believe that women can prophesy. I believe women can do anything a man can do, but it's God's rule that the man be the head. So calling a female pastor, I think, is wrong. Um, having a female come up and teach, hallelujah. So this is where their beliefs really get interesting. Uh, denominational lines will be destroyed, and the church will unify in the last days. Uh, one world religion, anybody? The latter reign will bring God's work into completion, and the church will be victorious over the world and usher in Christ's kingdom. The church will be victorious over the world. And I'll prove to you, I'll, I'm going to show you from their own writings, this is what they believe. Um, oh, oh, by the way, um, they also believe that this elite group of believers, the overcomers, will receive their spiritual bodies and become immortal. This is before Christ's return. Um, with these new bodies, they'll be invincible and able to change their appearance, to speak any language, and to teleport. Portals, anyone? These believers will become the literal incarnation of Christ on earth while still living. <laughs> they will complete the Great Commission by bringing out the greatest revival of history, converting the majority of the world to Christ. Remember when I had to confess to you that uh, I had said that there's going to be this great harvest? I don't see it in the Bible. In fact, I opened up with the scripture saying there would be a falling away. It's in numerous places in the Bible. In the end days, there's going to be a falling away. Um, I just want to prioritize before I wrap up. Stuff gets so sick. Oh, let me finish up with British Israelism. <clears throat> um, they are British nationalists. <laughs> kind of like American nationalists. You'll, you're going to notice a couple 
parallels here. There's a reason why I'm going through all this stuff before we get to modern day. I hope you're paying attention. I hope this is making sense. I trust it is. Please let me know if there's anything you're unclear of. Maybe I need to clear up. Um, so they believe the people of Great Britain are genetically, racially, and linguistically the direct descendants of the ten tribes of ancient Israel with roots in 16th century British Israelism was inspired by the by several in the 19th century English writings such as John Wilson's 1840 our Israelist origin the doctrine they believe is the tribe of Ephraim and the tribe of Manasseh Manasseh can be identified as modern day Britain and in the United States. Folks, I, a good friend of mine and I have been studying some of this stuff. Uh, I'm going off topic for just a moment. The parallels between the United States and Israel are uh, even geographically stunning. So <laughs> there's something to this. I'm sure there's some truth in it. Uh, but the way this is being presented is obviously perverted. I just want to let you know that. Uh, so British Israelism, Israelism impacted the development of some key teachings of the Latter Rain movement. The teachings from the revival known as the Latter Rain because its leaders began to connect the timing of the revival with the establishment of the State of Israel in May of 1948. Another side note. I'm throwing you some gems here, folks. There's a new movie out called The uh, the Jesus Revolution at the time of recording this. It came out right at the same time that there's this Asbury Festival. Coincidence of God through Hollywood. Okay, something to think about. Probably address that on another show. They believe the revival was the fulfillment by Joel the prophet, and they believe that their church is the spiritual counterpart of Israel, such as parallels exist between the history of Israel and the church wherever Israel experiences restoration events. The church simultaneously experiences a spiritual restoration. So in for example, in 1900 when does the Zionist movement was seeking homeland for the Jewish people in uh, Palestine, it coincided with a restoration of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Azusa Street revival in 1906. In 1948 when the modern nation of Israel was established, they claimed God restored the doctrine of the laying on of hands and praise through the later latter rain revival and raised up healing evangelists such as Branham, Oral Roberts, and his teaching was uh, done. So uh, then in 1967, Israel won the Six-Day War uh, and restored juice uh, control, uh, record <laughs> to restore control over Jerusalem. 
the latter rain movement connected this event with the charismatic movement, which said it was restored the gifts of the spirit to the church. You see, th these people are just justifying everything on their own. It's not God justifying it. They are cult leaders doing this. Um, oh, I got a whole bunch of stuff. This was sent to me by one of my diggers. Um, I, I'm going to probably post this. Is British Israelism true or biblical? Um, it makes a very strong biblical case to say no. It's quite long, and I don't want to drag this on. Um, it should be rejected, essentially. <laughs> it should be rejected. Um, let me see what I want to finish with. You know what? I want to finish with this. So this, the latter rain movement was, you know, from the late 40s into the early 50s. And I want to just let you know where it went from there because it's still alive today, folks. And this was all based on people who are high-level occultists that were in the church proclaiming the name of Jesus. But here's the trick. They are calling on the name of Jesus. It's just not the same one that you and I worship. So the similar doctrines and theologies um, today, uh, actually I'll finish with that. Uh, what I was, So 1950 to 1960, the Voice of Healing movement, uh, the Church Growth movement, the Full Gospel uh, Businessmen's Fellowship International, and then in 1960 to 1970, the Charismatic Renewal movement. There's a movie that just came out about that. And of course, then we got... Uh, the Word of Faith movement that came out during that time, 1970 to 1980, the Shepherding Discipleship Movement, New Wineskin, that's the Vineyard Movement, Signs and Wonders. And then we have, in 1980 to 1990, the Prophetic Apostolic Movement, Third Wave Movement, Kansas City Prophets. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be talking about Bob Jones. In fact, probably next. I'm going to have to bridge that before I get to the next section. I'm going to have to name a couple names. Next one. Uh, 1990 to 2001, the Spiritual Warfare Movement, the Holy Laughter Revival, International Prayer Movement. Yeah, IHOP. Uh-huh. Kansas City, here we come. International Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. And then in 2001, the New Apostolic Reformation. So 
we're going to be getting there because that's what's happening today in a very large way is the new apostolic reformation kingdom now theology came out of the latter reign dominionism came out of latter reign the seven mountain mandate came out of latter reign reconstructionism came out of latter reign and when you listen to them when they're being preached from a pulpit and you hear these things they sound good. They sound biblical. But they're leading to a path of destruction. As I close out here, I'm just having a final thought. Um... Okay, I don't know if this will happen, but this is airing at 7 o'clock, uh, so it'll play till roughly 8 o'clock. At 8 o'clock tonight, I may do a live chat. Uh, if I do, it will start right at 8 o'clock, immediately after this program. So we can talk about things, we can get some questions. If I didn't make anything clear, uh, I would like to, to have a question and answer per se. So it won't be Jeff teaching, Jeff rambling on, uh, but I will do a question and answer. I've put hundreds of hours into this. I'm really well informed on it. And, uh, and I want to make sure that you are as well. Don't forget to go to my Liberty stand and get your tickets, go to reckoningfest.com, put in right on as your coupon code. Uh, I really want to see you there. I haven't got any emails yet telling me that, uh, and my email is right on Jeff at gmail.com, but I haven't got one email yet saying that you're going to join me. Man, that would be really disappointing. Anyways, if, if you're feeling nudged, come out to the event March 25th. And if none of you come out, maybe I won't do any other events because you don't want to come out. Just saying. Anyways, uh, I really hope to see you there. Remember, in the meantime, love your God. Know that he's the provider of all things. Love your family. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, of course, make a difference in your community by sharing and hitting the rumble button on this video.